Okay. Well, if you would, if you could grab that card and look there, there's two verses at the bottom underneath the message. One we're just going to read, or I'm going to read, it's Colossians 3.13, and it'll help us work our way through our Christmas message this morning. So if you would hear the word of the Lord with me, bear with each other, this is Colossians 3.13, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So keep that card close to you, please, and we're going to pray and ask God for his blessing over our time. Father, we, we would reject right now all thoughts of self-sufficiency and personal ability to preach, to understand, and to believe as your word is taught. We are a needy people. We accept that. We are glad that in our weakness, the power of Christ may rest on us. This is what we need. This is what we ask for. We then say, God, that we would pray that the Spirit of God would be our teacher allowing no one to leave here without being rescued from their sin through faith and repentance in the work of Jesus Christ and in the person of Jesus Christ. For it is in his name and for his sake and for his glory we would ask these things. Amen. Amen. Just one quick addition. Um, At our Welcome Center, which is through my doors to the left, if you're new, there's a free Bible for you there. There's information about the church would probably serve you well and also usually in our worship folders we put a prayer and praise sheet those sheets if you didn't get those those sheets are at the welcome center as well so just keep that in mind okay well let me begin by saying this my father my earthly father um, this January he will be 89 years old and he is a good man and he is the kind of man who will never give you personal advice unless you ask. And that's something I've always enjoyed about my dad. So I hope you can imagine the shock I was in just a few months before I was to get married when my dad told me that he needed to have a talk with me because he had some advice to give me. In fact, when he gave me the advice, I was pretty sure he was shaking his head at me with a kind of, oh dear God, does this poor girl know what she's about to get into uh, with my boy? You know, we tried to raise him, we fed him, we kept him clean, pretty clean for most of his life. So while that was going on, I was like, Dad, you know, I'm right here. Why, why? You've known me a lot longer than you've known her. And my dad was like, I know, that's the problem. <laughs> but, so here's the advice he gave me before my wedding day. He said, run, Joe, run fast as you can. No. He knew, I knew that I hit the jackpot when I met my wife and she decided to say yes to me. This is what he did say. He said, Joe, you better be ready to say a whole lot. I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. And that's okay. I forgive you. I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. And that's okay. I forgive you. And of course, as you look down at those two verses, we, one we just read, it makes a lot of sense what my father said because this is what the Bible teaches. It teaches us that we, we so plainly, all of us have this great need of forgiveness which begins with God forgiving us and extends with us 
giving and receiving forgiveness from others. And that's why I began this way, because in some ways, this is how a person becomes a Christian. God, I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. And then to hear God say, because of Jesus, I forgive you. You see, getting ready for this morning, I was thinking about my earthly father's advice in light of my heavenly father's word, appreciating Christmas, mindful of what Jesus has done. That's the first verse there on that sheet. She will give birth to a son, Matthew one twenty one. And you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So, so an angel of the Lord in an utterly supernatural event, because as Christians, we believe in an open universe. This angel appears to Joseph, tells him exactly why Jesus has come. Jesus has come. Here's the exact reason to save his people from their sins. The very name Jesus means God rescues, rescues. So rescue is a one word summary of the meaning of Christmas God rescuing us from our sins. And sin is a one-word summary of why we need a Christmas. And unless you just flat out refuse to pay attention to the world or just have, and please forgive me, an exaggerated view of yourself, we know that things are not right between us and God and they are not the way they should be. And sin sums up why. And so the Bible tells us the story, page after page, that the best of men and women are men and women at best, right? Some of the biggest heroes, David and Peter and Noah and Moses, the best of men are men at best. No one holds the line all the time. No one gets it right every day and in every way. We are sinners, either flat out sinners or maybe even worse, self-righteous sinners, And the effect of this, the Bible says, is that we're not in right relationship with God who made us. And as a result of that, this world is broken. And the underlining factor of the brokenness of our world is sin. And what is sin? Well, here in the line, it's what it is. It is a disobedient, ungrateful, rebellious attitude towards our creator who gives us every breath and every meal. Yet we still say to him, my life, my rules. My life, my rules which means there's this massive gulf between the creator and his creatures. And why wouldn't there be? I mean, how can any relationship sustain itself if, if there is this constantly, my life, my rules, my life, my rules. And so this massive gulf between humanity and the God who made us is not just vertical between us and God, but it's also horizontal between person to person. And you see, the Bible tells us that when we turn our back on God, we subsequently turn our back on each other. And we do not live God's way in God's world. And what takes place then is relationships are broken. And the harmony which should have always existed between human beings is fatally disrupted. Right? So the harmony that should be between parent and child, between husband and wife, between brother and sister, between friend and friend, between colleague and colleague, between church people, between nation and nation. It doesn't matter what level you put it at. Personal, communal, national, international. There is something profoundly wrong. There's something broken. And we refuse to name the problem as sin active in us. And so we say something else. Well, it's them. You should have seen what they said. You should have seen what they did. It's her. 
It's him. It's the way I was raised. It's the job. The job is just too much pressure. I don't have enough free time. I don't have enough me time. The people will I hang with. I got to get rid of them. Our leaders. That's the problem. Our finances. If they were better, things would be better. I would be better or worse. We think, if I could just get serious enough, and I'm going to, if I could get serious enough, I could turn this whole thing around. Willing to do anything. And willing to say anything but acknowledge it is my sin dwelling in me and my refusal to acknowledge my need of a Savior to rescue me. So the imprisoned Russian, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who spent 10 years in a communist labor camp for opposing communist rule, he writes in his classic book, The Gulag Archipelago. This is what he says. Listen carefully. If only it were all so simple. If only there were evil people somewhere, insidiously committing evil deeds, and it was necessary only to separate them from somewhere, uh, somewhere from the rest of us and destroy them. Now, just stop for a second. You understand what he's saying. We could just get rid of all the bad people. Everything would be great. That sounds like some versions of Christianity, right? Just get rid of the bad people and we'll be fine. Listen to what he says, though. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his or her own heart? So you understand what he's saying. This is a man who was opposing communism since the early 1950s. He's saying evil is not just in them. It's in me. It's in me even as I sit here and rot in this prison. And loved ones, Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Mark chapter 7. He said the very same thing. He said evil doesn't come outside of us to us. But evil is actually inside. And it comes out from us. And only a pride-filled person would fight that reality. So Matthew's Gospel tells us Jesus came to save people from their sins. There is a solution. There is a hope. And, it's, and listen, it's not in an ethic It's not in a moral standard, a standard we don't even keep ourselves. It is in a person. The salvation that we seek is in a person. So Jesus came and lived a perfect life. No rebellion, always saying yes to the Father. A real yes man that Jesus was. Every answer given, perfect. Every intent in the heart, perfect. Every deed, think. Every feeling, perfect. Keeps the law but dies on the cross. And Christians believe that he died in our place. That he took on punishment that we deserve to bring us a forgiveness we could never earn. Laying down his life. So this massive pile of evil which is embedded in my heart. And I don't know about yours, but it's embedded in there. Great shame, but it's there. That I could be forgiven for that. So when John Stuart Mill He's the father of modern economics. And economics, by the way, is a dismal science. As he said, this is what he wrote. We are all self-seeking individuals. Seeking to maximize optimum benefit for ourselves from every decision. Now, that sounds rude, but he wasn't very wrong. We're self-seeking individuals seeking to maximize optimum benefit for ourselves from every decision. Not very wrong, because listen to what the Bible says, with no flinching. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have turned away, each of us have turned to our own way. 
It's the God from heaven speaking to the world. Each of us have turned to our own way. And that's why Jesus who was born is the Jesus who had to die. Now, as we think about our need for forgiveness, we have to take a look at this uh, life-changing verse from chapter 3. And as you look at it, let me just give you a bit of the context. It won't take long. It was written by Paul from prison. And he's writing to the Christian churches there. And there's this runaway slave whose name is Onesimus, who's in danger of being crucified because he's a runaway slave. He's ran away from his master. And so what Paul does is he sends him back to Colossae, back to his master with this letter, with a message of reconciliation and forgiveness. And you want to go, Paul, really? Do you really want to do that to him? Because let me say this to you. If that master, when he gets that letter and he sees Onesimus, if he's not feeling it, he would have every right under Roman law to crucify his slave Onesimus. So I suspect it was a pretty trembling hand when he delivered that letter, which said what we just read, uh, chapter 3, verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So I want you to see that this idea of forgiveness is both vertical and it's horizontal. The, the vertical is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That has to be secured. I mean, we can't move forward with any degree of reality unless we've got this relationship fixed. And once the vertical is fixed, then the horizontal, our relationship with others. But if we can't get these two right, the vertical and the horizontal, uh, Christmas can't be wonderful. It can't be. But if you, you can then it can be wonderful. Charles Dickens, and everybody should read lots of Charles Dickens at Christmas season. That's just personal advice. There's a book that you might have read. It's called Great Expectations. And the main character in the book, she is going to be married on her birthday. And she's pumped about the whole thing. She's going to be married, and she's getting married on her birthday. But then, at 20 minutes to 9, the morning of her wedding, she finds out her groom has left her with another woman And he's not coming back. And at that moment, her life stops. And if you read the book, you'll know that every clock in her room was stopped at 20 minutes to 9. She stopped every clock, 20 minutes to 9. Curtains were shut. The wedding food, the cake was just left on the table to rot. She wouldn't let anyone clean it up. Little mice, yeah, they were doing their thing, but that's about it. And worst of all, the bride won't take off her wedding veil. So some time goes on, and in time she says to Pip, and Pip is the hero, this is what she says. On this day of the year, long before you were born, this heap of despair was brought here, and she's pointing to the cake and the food. It and I have worn out together. The mice have gnawed at it, and sharper teeth than the teeth of mice have gnawed at me. What is that? Well, that is the reality of unforgiveness. That is the teeth of unforgiveness, the pain and the outcome. And you see, there's a possibility that there may be some of us here right now, and, and maybe, maybe all of us, in one place in our life, there's a clock, and we stopped it, and we have our own 20 minutes to 9 situation. So we pull down the curtains and we keep our distance from certain people and certain things and the sharp teeth of unforgiveness just gnaw and the message of Christ means very little. It means very little. It's just a kiddie story, right? So we shove Jesus in the, kids of our, uh, the faces of our kids so they won't be greedy for too many gifts, right? Or we get some more free time. No, 
This story, this story of the birth of Jesus Christ, this story ties us to the one, and listen carefully, that is joy's permanent source. Say it again. This story ties all of us to the one that is joy's permanent source. It is Jesus Christ. So when the friendships break down, when family relationships are crippled, when the marriage isn't working at all, when difficult things happen and we can't get our footing, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness just grows in us like a weed and we know it's wrong. And we say, how am I going to change? In the midst of all that, I can tell you categorically, I can tell you theologically, and thank God I can tell you experientially, (laughs) there is hope. There is hope. And friends, if our vertical is all mangled up, if it's all messed up between us and Jesus, and we don't know his forgiveness, then we've missed Christmas. And we'll miss eternal life if we stay that way. And in the horizontal, if you aren't forgiving others, you've missed Christmas. So vertical love is Calvary love. That's the second part of verse 13. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, how did God forgive me? First, he forgave because he's a God of grace. Second, he put his son on the cross. And that son bore my sin. Romans 5, uh, while we were sinners, right? In the midst of all that, it's almost a metaphysical thing. In the midst of us saying, no, God, there was Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of the world. So how do you receive this forgiveness if you're not a Christian? Well, first of all, if you're not a Christian and you're here, we're really glad you're here. This is how you would receive it. First, you realize that this baby that was born in Bethlehem, that's a real thing. It's not fantasy. It's real. And so you realize that the Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, he's going to grow up to be the Jesus who died in Jerusalem for our sin. And you realize that you're a sinner and that his death is for you. It's your only hope in life and in death. He died for you. He was pierced for your transgressions, your pride, your greed, your stubbornness, your sin. And loved ones, the ability to really enjoy that. So it's just, you know, way more than just kind of like a superstitious feeling that everything's going okay this way. Our ability to understand and enjoy that spiritually lies with our ability to think honestly how big our sin is and how real the judgment to come is, which the judgment is good and right because God cares about justice, and to think how big the death of Jesus Christ was for you. And if you get that and you find, yes, this is for me, and you internalize it, it changes everything. That's the vertical. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I hope you're all there. If you're not there, when we're ending, I'm going to stay up here. I would love to try to talk with you and answer your questions. Now to the horizontal, right? Bear with each other and forgive one another of any grievances you have against them. Two examples then of how Jesus can change people's life. One probably well-known, one not so well-known. C.S. Lewis, he was noted as a man of great kindness. He wrote to this little girl, this one particular little girl, four times. and, And he would get like bags of mail every week. And in the one letter he wrote to this little girl, listen to what he said. To be Christian means to forgive the indefensible of others. Because God has forgiven the indefensible in you. (laughs) Now there's a person who's internalized Jesus. He really understands how much he was forgiven. And a river of forgiveness just flows out of him. 
We sing this song here at church a lot. We say, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. C.S. Lewis might sing it like this. I'm beginning to know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross when forgiveness just flows out of me freely. No one need grovel at my feet for my forgiveness. Another, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a doctor and then he became a preacher. And listen to what he said. Whenever I see myself before God and really even something of what my blessed Lord has done for me, I am ready to forgive anybody of anything. Sounds a lot like, like, a lot like Jesus. And again, Martin Lloyd-Jones noted as a man of kindness. Now, you may be saying, you're like, man, I hear you, but if you, I get so angry and I replay what they did and what they said in my mind and I fantasize in my mind about me finally getting even, even and I just stand over them and, and all my righteousness as they lay there on the ground and grovel. And I know I can't keep doing that. Can't keep doing it. I can't forgive them though. So I want to say to you that you are right. You can't do it. You could never do it. That is basic Christian doctrine. And if you weren't taught that, then I'm sorry. But that is basic Christian doctrine. And that is why God sends the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, in our lives, at our conversion, to give us the power that we would never know. A power to forgive. This is not a power done by human agency. Or industry. But this is the spirit of God. It happened to C.S. Lewis. It happened to Martin Lloyd-Jones. And what does the song say? It can happen to you. It can happen to you. God would not give us these instructions in Colossians 3.13. And not send his spirit to help us. He's our father. His presence is promised. His power is granted. Unless. Unless you don't belong to him. And then if you don't belong to him. You have no power, no power to forgive this way and no power to enjoy forgiveness that way. Now we need to end. We got pizza, right, coming and it's going to be good. Jesus Christ is alive and there's a day that's coming. He will come and judge the living and the dead and and we need his forgiveness. And if we don't have it, then we're never going to be able to say what I was told before my marriage. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And that's okay. I forgive you. And if you seek to say, I'm sorry to others, and you realize that they're going to slam that door, or they slam that door right in your face, well, at that moment, try not to be too self-righteous about the whole thing. And try to consider that now you know just a little smidgen of what grieves the Holy Spirit when the Son of God The Lord Jesus Christ is disregarded, right? If you taste a little of that, then it helps you to know just a smidgen of what we do to God when we sin. Many of you know the Dutch woman, uh, Corrie ten Boom, the story. She was taken to a Nazi war camp because she provided protection for the Jews. And in that death camp, her sister died. And after the war, Corrie began to speak to churches about forgiveness and reconciliation So at one of those church services, a Nazi guard from the very camp she was in prison came to her and it was under his authority that her sister had died. And so she says, as as he came to me, I said, God, I can't forgive him. I can't. 
I can't. Help me. Again, C.S. Lewis, everyone thinks forgiveness is a good idea until they have something to forgive. God, I can't do this. Will you please help me? And this is what she said. Inside of me was a power which, which came over me. And, and my hand began to raise. And I shook his hand. And I gave him my love. Loved ones, that was the power of the Holy Spirit. Given to her at her conversion. That was the love of Christ. Flowing like a river out of her. She knew she couldn't do it. She cried out. To God for help. And because she was God's child, God did it through her. The vertical. Lord has forgiven you. If he hasn't, you've missed Christmas. And the return of Jesus Christ or your death is something you should fear. The horizontal. If he has forgiven you, then forgive others as the Lord forgave you. In the power of the Holy Spirit centered on the work of Christ on the cross, then then lasting joy, then lasting joy will come. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. That's okay. I forgive you. And the proper arrangements, humanity to God, God to humanity, Human to human, joy to the world, joy to the world. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Oh, Father, please give us the grace we need to understand if we haven't been forgiven by you, then we've missed Christmas. And if we haven't forgiven others, then we've missed Christmas. Please tie all of us here to Jesus this Christmas in order that our joy, that that real joy that only you can give will be sustaining us far past this season. Father, may we love you and love others the way Jesus loved you, loves you, and the way he loves us. And please bless us and bless your world this Christmas season. For Jesus' sake, we ask this. Amen.